0: Lord, we do thank you for the privilege of coming together in this space. We thank you for it. You somehow, in the mystery of all of it, allowed for this building to be on this plot of land, knowing someday we would be in here looking to you uh, for guidance and for help and for hope. So we worship you, Jesus, with, with our voices and the way we sing. And now we worship you, Jesus, by paying attention to the words that you've given us, your holy scriptures that can make us wise. So wise God, now take your words spoken centuries ago, written for us to hold on to, and now transform the way we think, the way we feel, and even the way we live, we pray, and it's in Jesus' name we say it together. One, two, three, a- amen. That was a decent amen at home. Actually, that was pretty lame. Well, happy birthday, everybody. It's, it's actually your birthday. You may not realize it. Well, it's sort of your birthday. Uh, ten years ago this weekend on September the 11th, uh, ten years after 9-11, uh, ten years ago, we were in a building down the road on a Sunday evening, and we were exploring what would it look like to plant a new church. That was ten years ago. And so happy birthday, well done. I'm just curious, is there anyone that was here in that first prayer meeting at the Luis Palau uh, building? Okay, we have over here, we have a few. Well done, well done to you and to you. It's a, and not everyone is a part of the whole story, but we began 10 years ago. And um, we're gonna do a bigger celebration because that was just once a month praying. We had no plan. We had no idea when we were gonna start, we had no building, we had no resources, we had no hope that anyone would even come and be a part of it, other than the sense that God was up to something. And the fun part is we get to celebrate 10 years later all of the wonderful things uh, that God has done and the foundation that was set for you to be here today. We'll actually do a real celebration, Easter of next year, That's we actually officially launched on Easter. But uh, it's been a beautiful journey, perfect, no problems, no challenges, smooth sailing, 10 years of bliss. <laughs> Not really. There, there's theoretical idea of when, when I become a parent, it will be like, and then you have children and you realize it's beautiful, but it's a whole other story. And I feel like that's, that's been the story of this church. It has been beautiful and different. Church, okay, on our 10-year anniversary, what is church anyway? It's a real question, most of the time, I wouldn't even thought we would have to ask it, but so much has happened in the last year and a half, 18 months, for six months we didn't meet at all together in a room, Uh, were were we like church? Or or was it like almost church? And And then we were allowing people to come in 50 at a time, uh, and so no one saw each other, just a few, a few, a few. Was, was that church or was that almost church? And, and then things opened up. Do you remember that window of 30 seconds where, where we could, like, we could explore what it is to be, to be without restrictions? And, and, oh, that was church or, or what was that? And now we've taken a few steps back and who knows what the next few months will bring. What makes a church a church, really? Uh, this has been on everyone's mind that's been connected to the faith and we're coming up with all sorts of conclusions. And I think for many, I'm afraid, we're coming to the wrong conclusion about what it means to be a part of God's church. So here's what we're gonna do. For the next three weeks, for September, we wanna explore what it means to be a part of a church. Welcome home And I want to start, we did a three-week series, by the way, in January called Church Is, and that laid the groundwork, the Bible, the text, the theology of what it means to be a part of God's people. We're not going to rehash that. Uh, I encourage you, you can go online, YouTube, go to our podcast, Church Is, it was in January, and I, I encourage you to explore that if you were not here or you forgot every choice word that I say which I have to watch it again, because I can't remember, but let's just recap one idea of the word church. The word church in in English is from the Greek word in the Bible called ecclesia, And what does that mean according to the Bible? Well, it it is a meeting, it's an assembly, it's a a gathering. The Bible idea and concept for church and ours are not always the same, and here's why this matters. Uh, the Bible writers didn't make up the word Jesus when he said, I'm going to build my church, my ecclesia. He took a word that was already in the culture. It was the word that they used for the Roman Senate or the legislature. Whenever they came from their districts and came together to meet, they went to church. We don't think of it necessarily that way. Whenever a school would gather all the classes together and have an assembly, that's going to, in school, you would go to church, you would go to the ecclesia. Uh, Church in the Bible didn't have anything to do with a building per se, although the assembly happened in a building, that makes sense, but it was always about a people not just gathered, but gathered for a reason students together to hear an encouraging message senators gathered to think about the state of the Roman empire and what part they have to play to push it forward so for us we can say church in the scriptures is god's people gathered together that's what church means it means the assembly it means the meeting it means the togetherness and and so I'm only saying that because I think all sorts of people, for all sorts of reasons, are coming up with their version of what it means to be a part of Jesus' church. And all we want to do as the assembly here today, whether you're watching online or you're here in this space, is to ask ourselves, is my vision of what Jesus said he was establishing and he was going to build up, am I in line with? with Jesus's vision, or do I have my own version and vision? Sometimes we don't critique what we're thinking. So we saw from the series in January a church is God's building, and church is God's family, and church is God's field. You can watch those. I wanna focus today and over the next two Sundays on the hyper-practical side. Like, after 18 months, of fear and isolation that has been drilled into your soul, you have had more negative news than you ever hoped or asked for. You have been bombarded, I have been bombarded with fear. Now there's fear in the generic sense, right? If I'm getting close to the cliff, am I gonna fall off? That's one set of fear. But this version of fear is more toxic This version of fear has said, you need to be careful about being close to people. The people that you love can make you unwell. The people that you don't know, if you get close to them, they can lead to your medical demise. This is a different kind of fear. And what we need to do is be honest as humans, is to say this fear has impacted how we see other human beings, and this fear has totally impacted our view of what it means to be a part of God's people together, which is, um, which is the heart of church. So in a culture that said, stay away, avoid, be safe, it's in total conflict with this personal passion that I have to hug. I'm a hugger. Maybe you're not, and that's totally cool, I'm a hugger. And, and Latin culture, just in general, embraces people warmly. When you come over, you're gonna get a hug. And so I've had, to, I've had to reorient out of love the way I interact with people. I was in Malawi in South Africa and there's a surge of COVID there. And so they're being very wise and being very careful. And so everywhere I went, it was the arm. It wasn't even the fist bump, which was like, I'm going to punch your hand. That's weird. You know, but I'm not going to shake. I'm going to let the germs go from my knuckle to your knuckle. But instead, it was like you would tap someone's arm. So there was no touch. Now, I want, I want to clarify something here because some of you are like, Jose, wait a minute. COVID-19 is real and the pandemic is real. And if you don't believe that it's real, I really need you to hear this. It's real. And people are really suffering, and people are really getting ill, and some, likely or least likely, they're losing their life over it. So everything I'm about to say about God's heart for the church is in context with the reality of God calls us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbor as ourselves, and the most loving thing we can do right now is to do whatever it takes to help people, especially those who are more vulnerable, and love them and respect them. So I'm not gonna come and hug you. Now, if you hug me behind my mask, I'm gonna smile. But I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna love you in a way that fits the moment, yet at the same time, our calling as a church, 26 West Church, exclusively. When I speak about church for the next three weeks, I'm talking about us. There's one church, big C, the assembly of God's people who belong to him by the Holy Spirit all around the world. And if you belong to Jesus, you're part of the capital C church. But there's all sorts of expressions, lowercase c, small outposts, assemblies, gatherings, communities, churches that make up the big C. And what I want to do is cast a vision for our Little c. So if you're watching, you're part of another community. This some of this may not relate to you, some of it will, though. How do we welcome people home? I want you to write down this phrase, it's going to drive today in the next two weeks, and it sounds simple, but it's absolutely challenging to live out. I believe 26 West Church ought to be the most welcoming people in our city. Notice how I didn't say the most welcoming place because we sometimes think church is the place I go to. Now, God's people go places together. We're here, thank you, that's very helpful. But church is more than just the assembly. For us, it's the larger gathering of God's people to grow worship instruction, but we're also God's people together in smaller spaces seven days a week. Our vision is to help people experience life in Jesus. It's the phrase we use that that monitors and shapes everything. We, 26 West, are called to help people. How do we do it in a season of isolation? How do we do it with all the fear? How do we do it in a way that honors God and honors people? Experience life in Jesus. How do we move from isolation to real relationship that leads people to love and follow Jesus like we do? This is a challenge. I think the pathway is that we ought to be the most welcoming people in our city. Are we there yet? No. Are we moving in that direction? Absolutely yes. Are there highlights and glimmers of that? Absolutely yes. But I'm calling every one of you, if you say, this is my tribe, these are my people, then I want you to embrace this as God's goal for you that we collectively would be a people that are the most welcoming in the entire metro area. There's no place that matches the welcoming nature of this community so that it's so attractive that others are saying, wow, how do I get in on the thing that's happening? Now, what does it mean to to welcome? I'm not gonna get there to the end. I'm just going to just let your mind linger on the concept. What does it mean to be a welcoming people? We know what it's like experientially. Have you ever been to that restaurant or that place, that building, that space, and you just immediately felt, I am not welcome here? I I, I have. You you probably have. Um, I'm lighter skin, but I am an ethnic minority. And there are places in my life where I've walked in and thought, especially when I had hair, it was more like a afro than a head of hair. And and I'm like, yeah, I don't belong here. No one had to say a thing. By the look, by the feel, by the stare, by the smirk, I knew I don't belong here for whatever reason. And you don't have to say it. You feel it because welcoming shows up. It's, it's intangible, but tangible. You know when it's... But then other times, if you've just been in that spot where it's a restaurant or school or whatever it is, and you're like, I love being here because the moment I'm there, I just feel, I feel at home. So we know intangibly what it's like. So here's what we're going to do for the rest of our time. There's the why we should live this way, and there's the what it is and how we live this way. Today, I want to focus on the why. Why should be we This church be the most welcoming people in our city. Why? Aha. Finally, I told you like 20 minutes ago, Mark chapter 2, we're here. Now that's all set up. Mark chapter 2, we'll start in verse 13. We're going to look at three places where Jesus models a welcoming life. Uh, Once again, Mark 2, 13 says, Jesus went out beside the lake and a large crowd came to him And he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and he followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Notice, Levi's not the first So when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, uh, they asked his disciples. It's funny, they didn't ask Jesus. They asked his followers. Why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and quote-unquote sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, meaning everybody, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call righteous, but to call sinners. Here's what I want us to catch. Um, I'm not defining what a welcome is. I'm letting Jesus and his life define it for us. Uh, Jesus is walking along with a group of followers. Jesus is already being seen as someone worth following. He teaches like no one else, and he does these miraculous things. But I want us to notice Jesus is, God's, attitude towards people. Jesus invites Levi, pause, some of us think, well, he's a tax collector, doctor, mechanic, so what? No, that's a flag. In their culture, as a Jewish person, there were some who sided with the Romans who were in charge and collected taxes, and these particular people knew their countrymen, and they knew the ruling party, and they sided with the ruling party. So they made sure they paid. Some of them even kept some to themselves and and gave the rest to to Rome. But they were seen as traitors. They were seen as people who didn't love their own people enough. They they worked for the oppressive enemy and they were outsiders. So Jesus walks to this person's place of business, the place you did not want to be. And he says to the person you do not want to associate with yourself, come Follow me. Now that enough is, a, that's a scandal enough. That is enough to put Jesus on the hit list. That is enough to say, nope, he can't be from God. Go one step further. Jesus says, I don't have a house. From what we know, I don't think Jesus had, had a house. Maybe he did, but the Bible doesn't say he owned anything. Seems like he left with nothing. But, so he doesn't have a house, let's assume that, or his house isn't in that town. And so he says to, to Levi, it's time for us to eat together. Now, in their culture, unlike ours as much, we eat with anyone we want. We don't think about it as much. But in their culture, to eat with someone is to embrace them as a friend and to accept them as acceptable. So Jesus not only goes to his place of business and in front of other people, invites him close. This is what God is like. This is exactly what God is like. And then Jesus because the scandal is so big and then the, the Pharisees are saying to the disciples, this can't be right. Jesus makes it a teachable moment and he gives the metaphor. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Notice, Jesus recognizes that people are in need and he is willing to be there where people are at, invite them close, and in one sense, disregard everyone else's opinions because these people matter. Hear me hospitals are for the hurting. Hospitals are for the hurting. Just think about it. We live in a country where you can go to the hospital right now if you're not well, and with no money and no insurance, they have to take you in and assess you and help you. And I want us to think about the nature of a hospital because it has everything to do with how we view church. This is a place marked out, prepared to help people in need. Now, I don't know about you. I don't go to the hospital to eat on a Friday night because I want to go hang out. Maybe you do that, you're, well, I'll leave it at that. The hospital's not a place where you go, like, I wanna go to the movies. No, let's go to the hospital. No, it's a designated place where people, hear me, people have prepared, because they know need is real and timing matters, so hospitals hire staff. Hospitals get equipment. Hospitals spend millions, if not billions of dollars to do what? to help people in their moment of need because that's their function and that's their purpose and we don't think twice about the purpose of a hospital. But let me just ask you, when you think about the nature of what it means to be God's people together, do you see the purpose and the goal as need and people and Jesus meeting the needs of people through us? Hospitals take great risks to do all sorts of things, research and development, and they raise all sorts of money because they know that at the right time, you are gonna come in stumbling or in an ambulance and need immediate care. And and, and there is a place where you and I can go. Do we even see that as the vision of church for the world? Do we have that mindset, do we have that attitude Do we see ourselves as part of the bigger thing that God is doing and calling us to unite and work together and each department within the hospital has their specific space, but in the end, it's about helping people experience life and for us, the church, we add on the most important part in Jesus, but in the essence and in the end, we are a hospital, not a club, This is not like you know. I belong to, if you belong to some health club, and this is my Sunday spiritual health club. No, we are an outpost, a place where the hurting feel confident to come. In our system, not all systems in the world, in our system, the hurting who come in are not pushed away. Now, in other places in the world, if you don't have money and you can't pay with cash, you are sent away. But in our culture, it's allowed that you can come in with nothing and be cared for. And in the end, if you cannot pay for a thing, they'll find a way to make it happen. Do we see that our vision and goal is to be assembled for the helping of the hurting in their moment of need and that we are prepared and ready and expectant and looking and prioritizing those in need. Do we even see that? That's the vision of Jesus. I haven't defined welcome. I'll let Jesus do that for you. All right, go to the, uh, right in your Bible. One book is Matthew, Mark, then there's Luke. Go to Luke and we'll look at Luke chapter nine. I spent a lot of time on this one. Just reading the others with that framework should help us get the point. What does Jesus say about living a welcoming life? Uh, Luke 9, and we'll start in verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Jesus had just sent them out and said, whatever I've been doing, you do. Then he took uh, them with them and withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. So he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowds away. So they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are like we're in a remote place. And he replied to them, You, you give them something to eat. And so they answered, We have only five loaves and a bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all the crowd. This is the crowd is too big. There is no like, you know, Walmart, there is no Costco. There is no way to do this. So mockingly, they're like, unless you want us to go buy food. And then the parentheses to let us, the reader, know about 5,000 men were there and women and children, 10, 15, 20,000 people, and they're in a remote spot. And you know, that is chaos. And so they answer, you know, you give them something to eat. But then he replied to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves, two fish. Looking to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and he broke them. And then this powerful line. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. Remember, five loaves and two fish. And then they all, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, ate, and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So this is obviously miraculous because there wasn't enough to feed the 12, let alone to feed 5, 10, 15,000, and let alone to have leftovers. And I want us to get the nature of what welcoming is. So Jesus invites Levi to be a part of his, his family, even though he is scandalous at best. He is not a leader, he's not an example of a godly life. And Jesus says, I have no problem eating with you and all of your friends. You all are allowed to be at my table, welcome. And now Jesus, they're in the middle of a hectic life and I don't know about your season of life, if you have little ones, it is hectic, right? If you're running anything of substance, it is hectic. But notice Jesus here. They all want to get away because they've just come back from hard work. And it's, it's important to have seasons of work and rest, effort and peace. These matter the rhythms of life. It's not all work, it's not all rest, it's both. But Jesus is willing to be interrupted. He's willing to, what is welcoming? It's willing to be interrupted. And so when the people come with need, even though it's time for them to relax, Jesus teaches them. He speaks words of life. And then they bring the sick and Jesus heals them. And Jesus is willing to go without food because the trigger is, the disciples say, we're hungry and tired. And Jesus is not inconvenienced, by the challenges of people. And so what does it mean to be a welcoming people? I think to Jesus, he says, come on. And, and notice the how here. Before it's Jesus, Levi, you're mine. Now it's Levi and the rest. Here is what I wanna do, have them in groups of 50, you organize it. I'm going to provide in ways nobody can, and I'm doing it not to them, I'm doing it through you. The same metaphor of a hospital only God can heal. Only God can really heal. But yet, in a hospital, people have been given the distinct privilege to be agents of healing. They can't heal, but with wisdom from above, they can find patterns to bring God's healing power. And in the same way, wouldn't you just love the doctor when you get rolled in in your emergency? pause I'm on my lunch break The person when you're rolled in from the ambulance and you cannot help yourself wouldn't you love it when they said mm, sorry no room for you We want to be a what is a welcoming church what is a welcoming people it's willing to be inconvenienced for the good of others and recognizing that I am a part, you are a part, we are a part of God's healing to God's people and God's world and we are invited in. Jesus says to the disciples, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it through you. Do you see church as that? Or is it just, I need a spiritual pick-me-up. I've had a rough week. I need something to get over the edge and so I'll come and get something and then I'll go. Or do you see this as wow, I get to be in the place where God's presence is valued and I get to be a part of the answer of the healing and wholeness of the people who are in front of me and behind me and to the side of me because wherever God's presence is, there's wholeness and healing and and because I am here and I'm one of his followers, I get to be a part of the Jesus thing that he's doing in people around, is this church to us to see because as long as we have our skewed vision of what church is, we will live stunted lives. Stunted lives. Now God loves you and Jesus is working in and through you and his spirit resides in you if you've chosen to follow Jesus Christ the spirit has sealed you you are his child of God but how many of you know it's possible to be born a child and stunted in your growth physical growth emotional growth relational growth whatever growth it's possible to allow yourself to be stunted and I don't want that for you I don't want that for me and as a church I don't want that for us I want us to grow into our full potential in whatever Jesus wants to do. And it's gonna come by recognizing that we are gonna be inconvenienced with the needs of others, and that's a good thing because that's exactly what Jesus does. All right, one last one, and then we're gonna tease out. This is all why, and then I'm gonna spend the last two or three minutes looking at what we can do to move in that direction. Just move a few pages to the right, Luke 19. And I'm gonna give you one of the most familiar ones, and it fits the pattern. Of Jesus so be this will not be new the only thing new will be the names but I want you to see this isn't just random this is the life of Jesus Luke 19 we'll start in verse 1 just read the first seven verses and so um, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy and he wanted to see who Jesus was but because he was short he could not see over the crowd so he ran ahead And he climbed a sycamore tree to see him, uh, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, Jesus looked up and saw him. I want us to see the heart of welcome. Jesus, in a crowd, saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. The heart of welcome is Jesus initiates an invitation, and this is what he says, it's bold. Everyone wants to clamor to see Jesus. Zacchaeus knows he is an outsider because he's a tax collector, just like Levi. And I could imagine Levi in the scene because Levi's one of the disciples saying, oh man, he's gonna do it again. He did it for me. I could see Levi having a side convo with Zacchaeus saying, dude, let him in. Because just like Levi was changed, now Zacchaeus, I must come. And verse uh, six, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So Jesus invites Zacchaeus and then Zacchaeus invites Jesus. And all the people saw this and were so thrilled that God would love anybody. No, no. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of of a sinner. We all know what it's like to feel excluded. We all know in whatever social setting you have found in your experience what it's like to feel like an outsider even though you're there, you're not allowed in. And Jesus is the person that welcomes and accepts gladly anyone who will hear his voice so here's the big question, and I'm going to spend just a couple of minutes beginning. If you're going to miss the next two weeks, do me a favor. Please make the room and watch, um, whether you live stream it on, in real time or watch it on our YouTube channel. Please don't miss the next two weeks because the why matters today is about why welcoming really matters because it matters to Jesus. What we do to become a welcoming people and to be the most welcoming people in our city That's going to take time to tease out. So I'll save it for the next two weeks. But for today, big picture. And for those of you phone note takers, I'm going to give you three things that define a welcoming church. You can wait for the third slide. Take a photo. Okay. Fair enough. Or write them down. And then three things that you and I can do to move in this direction. And then I'm going to give you two things that if you're a part of this church, I'm asking you to do right now. All right. Three, three, and two. First three. What makes for a welcoming community? First thing, a welcoming church remembers that Jesus rescued us even though we don't deserve it. I didn't say even though we didn't deserve it, I'm saying we don't. A welcoming church remembers Jesus rescued us, like Levi, like Zacchaeus. Like, look, you're not that good. I'm not that good. I'm not that loving. But for whatever reason, Jesus has found me to be someone worth pursuing. And that's what he's done in your life. And the reason you're here, the reason you are here is Jesus pursued you. And when I remember that he rescued and is rescuing me, it ought to frame my mindset of what church is. It's the place where, where the sick come. And I'm the sick. It's not like you're the sick. No, we're all in need of his healing touch. And I need to remember that. If we don't remember that, church becomes a club for the few. And may it never happen here. And look, it happens. I can't believe they are coming. And you just make up whoever you think that they are. I can't believe they're letting them be a part of we hate to say it, but we should say it, my thing. I don't want to go there anymore because it used to be, it used to be like a great place, but now they. And, 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 and the moment we do that, we're no longer like Jesus and we're no longer welcoming. The second thing, a welcoming church makes room for people to belong before they believe. And this is the one we don't think about too often because we kind of expect if you come to church you like you like believe this. Hey, if you're here this morning, whether watching or in the room and you're like I don't know if this is real, but I'm like I came, welcome. It's totally fine to not believe anything I'm saying right now. It's totally fine to wonder is the Bible like really useful for life? It's totally fine to say, well, how can Jesus be the only way? These things are totally fine. You keep pursuing and you're going to find God's truth revealed to us is going to be so convincing, I don't have to convince you. It's convincing itself. But we, to be a welcoming people, must remember, Jesus invited Levi before he was an apostle. Jesus invited Paul while he was murdering Christians. Jesus invites people to belong and to receive before they even get it. And by the way, that's your story. At some point, you didn't know much, but you knew enough to say, I want to be a part of it, and Jesus became real to you. So a welcoming church allows space for people to say, I'm not sure, and says, that's no problem, you are my deep friend, and let's walk this road together. And Jesus is convincing himself. The third thing is a welcoming church extends grace and patience, remembering that following Jesus is a lifelong process of transformation. This doesn't happen in a moment. So a welcoming church requires that we extend grace and patience. Why? Growth happens over time. You don't say to a two-day-old, grow up. If you do, they need to pull that child away from you. Because growth happens over time. And in a hospital, man, could you imagine you have a deep injury, and two days in, they're like, hey, dude, we need your bed. You need to get out of here. Hurry up. Get well. No, it's not how healing happens. For some, healing is quick. For some, healing takes months. takes years. And the medical team needs to be ready to work at the pace of your growth and health. So for us, who belong to God's people together, we need to... Be a patient and grace-filled community remembering this is a lifelong process and so i shouldn't expect you if you're new to following jesus to understand all of the implications and that you know what jesus's will is for this area or that area what i want to do is be humble enough to say i'm growing let's grow together and if i'm a few steps further than I just want to walk with you and share what I've learned and learned from you and go together and not expect people to be some perfect version of, of what it means to follow Jesus. Can we, can we be blunt? You're not as far along as you want to be. Do you know that? I don't know all of you personally, but I know this about myself. I am not where I want to be. I'm not there yet. I'm growing in God's grace. And if, if I'm patient with me, gosh, I ought to be patient with you. And I ought to hope that you would Show that patience and grace with me. All right, three things, and we'll pull out on this in the coming weeks, but I just wanna throw them out there. What is Jesus inviting us to right now? Those are just marks of a community, but it's easy to be vague and say, that's what a church should be. Now let's look at you and me. We ought to open our hearts. This is what we are invited to right now. Open our hearts to God and to people 18 months of all this madness has reshaped so much of our world. We're catching up to all the reshaping that we don't even understand. Here's what I need you to know. We need an open heart to what God wants to do in and through us. Open your heart to God's leading. Secondly, we need to open our lives. Jesus made room for people. And and frankly, if we don't make room for people, then we're never gonna live up, live up to God's welcoming nature. So Jesus makes room, I make room. And then open up our resources to share. Jesus says, what do you have? Five and two, fantastic. That's not possible for one group and their one small bit of food to feed the masses, but yet with Jesus it's possible. I wanna make a bombastic statement. It is possible for all of this area to be absolutely transformed by the love of God through Jesus from the people in this room right now. God doesn't need 10,000 people to help 10,000 people. We saw in the life of Gideon in Resilient Faith, he could do more with less. And so I'm not worried about those who are far and who've moved on from church and have said this is not a place for me. We wanna be a place that welcomes whoever is here fantastic. That's enough for God to do something special. If we will let go of resources to say, God, to the disciples, what do you have? And Jesus took what they had. They released what they had. And it wasn't enough, but it was enough. In this culture of fear and isolation, here's the greatest thing. Us Jesus followers can do. We could submit our lives, open our hearts and open our lives and open whatever God's put in our hands. We We could bring that to Jesus and his community and say, Jesus, whatever you wanna do, like do it through me. My friends, this is church. This is the heart of church. Not sit and wait for it to be done, but rather say, here I am, I'm useful. All right, I said two things that you could do right now and these are hyper specific and if you're not a part of our church community these might not apply to you but if you are they do Uh, join a serve team join a team next week like like we said if you can't make next week then make the next one but take the time if you're currently serving uh, just go back to that serve training and and just listen because the needs are new and the requirements are new and the plans are new The world has changed, and the way we do life has altered in bits and pieces, and what we need is everyone to say, I'm here and I'm useful. This is my community of Jesus-loving people, and I am available. Um, It is is interesting to see how quick we are to judge what other people aren't doing for us and how slow we are to say, here am I. Man, I, I wish they had. Why don't they have? Why don't they do realizing that they is you? And so join a serve team. And the second thing is make room and join a community group. Uh, Seven weeks in a row. Well, I can only make five of the seven. Great, make five of the seven and, and chime in on whatever you miss. Oh, I can only make three of the seven. Great, make three of the seven and chime in on, because it's not about going to meetings it's about making room in our heart for God through his people, in our lives for people. And, and I'm asking you to do this in the middle of a pandemic. And I recognize that, that, that sounds counterintuitive, but they're saying, they're saying you shouldn't, they're saying you shouldn't be, and, and I'm saying, actually, we need to be. Now, caveat is that maybe some of your gatherings are online. Uh, Some of your gatherings are purposefully outside because you feel better. Some of your gatherings are smaller. You you used to have 25 people, and now you have six. That's fantastic. I'm not saying be dangerous and reckless, but I am saying if we're going to be the welcoming people that God shaped us to be, we're going to have to alter the way we live and invite people to receive and experience Jesus. All right. Um, those are the two things you could do right now. I'm going to invite you to stand on your feet, if you would, and we want to respond now. This is our chance to say, not just hearing with our ears. I want you to respond now with your heart to God and to his people. Hey, friend, if you're online and you need prayer for something, this is the moment where you can click on the prayer button and you can say to someone, hey, this is going on and it may seem small but it's kind of big to me will you pray with me if you're here in the room uh this is the moment where while we're singing you can slip out the back and towards the left in the back is a space for for you to get prayer with someone in our church that cares and wants to listen and pray the life of god this is our moment to respond so i'm going to invite you even to do this just take your hands right? They've been doing whatever. And just open them up by your sides right now. Just, just like this, right? And, and, and let's just pray this together. Lord, we, we are here and we thank you that you've extended your welcome to us. And now we pray, God, that as you stretched out your arms to, to rescue and pull us out and build us up, now we want these hands. God, I'm asking that these hands could be useful to you. Lord, whatever you want to do in our city, I invite you and we invite you. Lord, do through me. Do through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll respond with singing and taking communion in just a few moments.